Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Great America Podcast with Lou Dobbs, always in the fight for truth, justice, and yes, our American way of life. And now, here he is, the Peabody Award-winning voice of truth, the great Lou Dobbs. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Great America Show, and today... We're examining the January 6th committee and its successor failures and investigating what happened and why in the Capitol on January 6th. The committee at its formation back in June of last year was, well, it was clearly created as a political weapon by the House Speaker, Nancy Pelosi. Not only did she choose the members, seven Democrats and two Republicans, She pushed away the Republicans that Kevin McCarthy, the minority leader, wanted to be on the committee if there was to be a committee. And this will not surprise anyone. The two Republicans that she did put on the committee are rhinos who are at war with the Republican Party and both of whom hate former President Donald Trump and his America First policies. Congressman Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger are highly objectionable personalities at their best. But in that regard, they do match up well with their Democrat colleagues on the committee. Public hearings are expected to begin, we're told reliably, in late March. And those hearings promise to be, of course, explosive, if not revelatory, hyperpartisan, and a plain awful reprise of two baseless impeachment efforts to overthrow then-President Donald Trump. A lot going on here that will surely be just another burden and aggravation for President Trump. One more radical damn attempt to drive him from the public arena. And yes, all of this is further confirmation that the radical Dems have nothing to talk about without the former president to attack. To help us all understand what this committee is doing, what it's up to, best-selling author of the book, The Plot Against the President, which was made into a terrific documentary as well by the same title, which we highly recommend to you. Lee Smith is also a former journalist, staff member of the House Intelligence Committee, a great American. Lee, welcome and great to have you with us. I'd like to start, if I may, with the expression, here we go again, another radical dim effort at investigation of President Trump. They keep at it. They've been at it since before he was elected. And now, after he's left the White House, more than a year later, they're still at it. How do they get away with it? Yeah, the the press is how. That's all they have, right? And that, well, I mean, they also have, uh, unfortunately, America's intelligence services. But the main component is the press. And and we'll thank you, first of all, for the very kind introduction, Lou, and for inviting me on today. And yeah, the way that I see January 6th is a, uh, a reprise or a, uh, a different leg of what started with the plot against the president, Russiagate. I mean, we have the same elements. There's the press. <laughs> there are uh, clearly intelligence services, domestic services were, 
we're part of uh, we're part of January sixth, um, and and of course Democratic Party officials and operatives. And uh, it's not surprising to see Adam Schiff, the uh, the now chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, in the middle of it once again. First, if they went after Donald Trump and his key aides like Michael Flynn and campaign volunteers like Carter Page, I mean, what they're doing now is they, 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 they've expanded they've expanded their targets. So they're not only going after Donald Trump and going after some of the some of the Republicans who have been loyal to him. We're also targeting Trump supporters. I mean, this is this is <laughs> this is something else to turn the intelligence services against regular ordinary americans for you, exercising their first amendment rights it's shocking you just you're making me very nervous because you know i did vote for president trump I, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah i don't i don't want i don't want those yeah. intelligence services the deep state and the radical dims to know that of course yeah but uh yeah they'd never figure that out yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 really stunning to watch this the farce that they create and a and yeah. any rational person you have to laugh at them uh, because of what they do. And then the next thing right. you, you're looking at them proceeding with impeachments that are baseless, fraudulent, right. uh, and fail each time that right. are on their face farce. And still they persist because, as you say, the national corporate media, and I, and I emphasize mm -hmm. the corporate media, right. is supporting every move they make without as far as I can think right now, without yeah. exception. Absolutely. I mean, and that's why I describe now what we grew up with as the press no longer exists. It's not simply a matter of partisanship. What these outfits are, they are platforms for information operations targeting the American middle class, targeting, uh, targeting, uh, targeting Americans who have stood up on behalf of the American voter, whether that's Donald Trump, whether it's uh, whether it's uh, now retired Congressman Devin Nunes, whether it's Michael Flynn, you know, whether it's the, whether it's the different people who got out there and protested, uh, protested on January 6th. So, yeah, it's 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 absolutely disgraceful because, of course, that that's that's one of the fundamental things that reporters should be doing. Right. It's not all about scoops. It's not all about amazing sources. It's about representing the common sense and the decency of the American people and to understand and to describe when something is nonsense, like describing January 6th as an insurrection is nonsense. Describing Donald Trump as a Russian spy is absolute nonsense. We find none of that from the press now, not necessarily because they've gotten stupider over the last three decades. So that's certainly a part of it. But because again, it's a platform for information operations. That's all we're seeing from this corporate press. And why is it in your judgment that the corporate owners, the oligarchs yeah. are pushing their media outlets into this political alignment with the radical Dems, with Marxists, uh, whether it's uh, in a critical race theory, uh, whatever it may be, ESG, uh, these are radical concepts. They are left-wing, and suddenly right. corporate America is aligned not only domestically with them, but in terms of foreign policy, they're right. more aligned with Xi Jinping oh, as, yeah. they, as yeah. they call for more investment by 
American investors, and I'm talking about retail investors, individual right. investors to move their money to, to buy the stocks of, Ch uh, of Chinese companies that are aligned in, in many cases directly right. and closely with the Chinese Communist Party. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I mean, the Democrats, look, there are problems on there are some problems with Republicans uh, regarding China. But right now, I mean, uh, the Democratic Party is a pro-China faction. Right. And it's 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 and this comes from their money. Right. We're looking right now at some possible economic problems in China, which I, I know, you know, a lot more. You know a lot more about that than I do. But insofar as Democratic Party money comes from Wall Street, it comes from big tech and it comes from Hollywood. These are its high profile uh, sources right. of money. All of these are dependent on on good relations with China. That's why I call the Democrats the pro-China faction right now in the United States. So there's lots of different reasons. Uh, there's lots of I, I, I argue that one of the reasons that the oligarchy turned on Donald Trump and sick their dogs, sick the media on Donald Trump has precisely to do with China. Trump is the one president we've had since since the 19 since Kissinger and Nixon's 1972 opening with China. He's the one president who described China not merely as a challenge or a competitor, but as a threat to vital U.S. national security interests. And that's one reason they they went after him. And if anyone doubts that, look at what the uh, President Xi Jinping how he reacted when President Trump put those tariffs uh, on Chinese exports to the United States, uh, insisting on balanced trade. And, and, and right. President Trump was talking about balanced trade for, for the world, not for uh, just right. China. Uh, and, and when he said, you know, we're not going to be putting up with this stuff in the South China Sea. You can yeah. build up all the artificial islands you want. You can do what you want, but our ships will be uh, absolutely uh, uh, steaming through the South China Sea where we wish, when we wish, because it's a matter of world interest, not just U.S. interest to keep right. those uh, those lanes, uh, those sea lanes open to to traffic. Uh, right. Globally. That that's that's been one of that's been one of the roles that's been one of the extremely positive roles the U.S. has played in the the post World War II uh, post World War II era in the Persian Gulf, as well as South China Seas. I mean, this is very, very important. And right, Donald Trump was not just doing it for the United States. It was about, uh, we have all of these globalists talking about different things. Well, this was for world security, right? This was for, this was for uh, the, you know, this was for the tr trade and transportation of goods across these vitally strategic waterways. But you talk about the press, and so let's look at let's look at let's look at some of the press and how their interests are staked to the Chinese Communist Party, right? I, I mean, the owner of the Washington Post, right? He is the Chinese Communist Party's number one U.S. distributor, right? If we look at publications like the Atlantic and all these people who have who have a hand in big tech, or their money comes from big tech, right. and their money continues to come from big tech. So, again, I think this is one reason why we're seeing the press go after not just Donald Trump and not just his aides, but also now Donald Trump supporters. These people have it out for we've seen this all during the, the all during the, the, the you know, the COVID-19 uh, regime. Right. It's been to it's been to damage. It's been to destroy 
the working uh, and middle classes of America, while the oligarchy has gotten increasingly wealthy. And, you know, I, we, I started using oligarch a year ago to yeah. describe uh, whether it's Jeff Bezos, whether it's uh, mm-hmm. uh, Mark Zuckerberg, whomever it may be. Uh, it, that is running and owning these enterprises that just uh, define right now technology power, uh, yeah. media power in mm-hmm. the United States. And we call Russians in this similar situation, we call them oligarchs. Right. We are in exactly oh. the same position as a Russian citizen. We have I right think, now yeah. a, a government attempting to destroy our rights, uh, to enlarge government. Uh, mm-hmm. to eliminate, by the way, the impediments of state and local government. But they are really talking about, uh, as Andy Biggs said on this show uh, last week, that they really want a national government, not a federal government. Federalism right. has no part of it. Our founders mean nothing to them. And I'm talking about the Democratic Party straight up. Mm-hmm. That's who they are. And their, and their neo-Marxist uh, colleagues in that party as well as in corporate America, in education, you name it. That's what we're facing. I, I, I agree entirely. I've, I've been using oligarchy as well. It's a, it, it, it is the word to describe, uh, to describe them. I, you know, we, we've, we've uh, typically called them elites as well, but if you look at, if you look at who they are, they're not, they're, they're, they're not elite. Right. They have not, not and not in any sense of the world, not in any sense of the word. Right. They're they're aspirational or performative elites. Right. What we're really talking about is exactly the concentration, the constant, the concentration of wealth, the concentration of um, uh, manufacturer distribution of certain goods. That's precisely what we're talking about. And their ties insofar the Democratic Party is the platform for the oligarchs to exercise power right now. And, you know, we're in the midst of hyperinflation in this. Uh, we're in the, uh, not in the midst of it. We're approaching uh, yeah. the uh, uh, hyperinflation. We'll be in the midst of it, I think, uh, perhaps as soon as the uh, second half of this year, if if conditions continue in the same direction that they are. But people need to understand, we all need to focus on this. There's a reason we have supply chain disruptions and that's because corporate America outsourced millions of middle-class jobs. They offshored uh, hundreds of plants around Mm -hmm. the world to the cheapest uh, labor markets. And they also gave themselves a way to raise prices here that they never before had because there would be too much political pressure. They can point the fingers, you know, their fingers at uh, Bangladesh or uh, Vietnam or China and say, well, you know, we're just dependent on them for all of this material and supplies and products. And, and you know, it's really their fault. And we're, we're having a lot of trouble with shipping, which is enti- almost entirely owned by the communist Chinese again. So corporate America has put itself in an advantageous position. They not only carry out labor arbitrage on wages, they then carry out uh, the ability to raise prices at a at an onerous level if they choose to. It's not yet at that level, but they could very easily. And in, and then everybody talks about well, we've got the supply chain disruption. We what what we have is a supply chain that's overseas. Right. Why not do exactly what Donald Trump said? Build your plants in the United States. Hire Americans. 
If you need more labor, bring in guest workers and do it lawfully and legally uh, without creating all of this uh, conflict. But that is in I mean, their yeah. interest. I mean, the, the, it's, it's, it's nuts when you think about it. What our, uh, what our leadership class did over the last several decades to export our manufacturing base. I'm, I mean, th this is this is obvious that a strength of a country is dependent on the things that that country makes, right? This is about this is partly about its economy, but it's also partly about its uh, about its culture as well. And the idea of exporting all of these, uh, exporting our manufacturing base abroad, especially to an adversarial power like the Chinese Communist Party is absurd. That's what people should understand about the supply chain crisis, how serious it is. It's a national security issue. Absolutely. This, this, is, this is what's happening. These people, again and again, COVID is a national security issue. The fact that so much of our, the, the fact that the American economy is so deeply tied to China's, it's a national security issue. And the idea, again, that our corporate and political establishment, the oligarchs have, profited from this at the expense of American workers and the national security of the country, it's obscene. And let's be very, very straightforward about this, Lee. What is there to prevent, given our response to the death of more than 800,000 Americans as a result of COVID-19 or Wuhan virus, if uh, uh, we're to be more accurate? Right. Uh, what is to prevent them from saying, well, they did nothing. This is right. the equivalent of murder. They knew that they had right. released this, this virus on the world. They knew that they were doing nothing and only protecting themselves, which is the moral equivalent, in my judgment, of murder. And they were permitted uh -huh. to get away with it right. and have been throughout. As a matter of fact, uh, we have more apologists in our, health, our public health agencies uh, our federal public health agencies for what the Chinese have done, uh, then we have, uh, well, I won't even get into it. Well, well I, I mean, you, you ask, I mean, we've, we've shown how we handle, how we handle a national security crisis like this, which is disastrous. Now all the world understands it. It's not only that we've not held um, Beijing accountable, we haven't held our own officials accountable. Anthony Fauci, since 9-11, has been building a biodefense empire. Hundreds of billions, maybe trillions of dollars have gone to this biodefense empire. In 20 years, Anthony Fauci has proven incapable, after all that money, has proven incapable of manufacturing a vaccine that is effective against a virus with a survival rate of over 99%. I mean, this is this is obscene. And so again, the rest of the world looks and they see, what do they see? They see our officials, they see the president of the United States, they see public health officials, intelligence officials, state and local governments treating the American public like mutts. That's our response. That's our response to a crisis. So right. the problem is not just at home what our officials are doing to the American people at home, but what the rest of the world is seeing, how we respond to crisis. We're, we're, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. We need serious, responsible leadership. Yeah, and it is, it is occurring to most Americans that now we've been in this pandemic for two years, and we still don't have a unified 
early treatment program brought to us yeah. by the CDC or the NIH that is effective. If we did not have these so-called brilliant physicians and researchers who are speaking publicly, and, and yeah. they began by speaking publicly on social media, by the way, mm -hmm. they snuck right. through the oligarch's uh, wall to speak to the American people. We now know that there right. are early treatments, uh, which, by the way, include ivermectin, which right. actually do include uh, hydroxychloroquine, irrespective of, uh, uh, of all of the protests. They do have a role in some, uh, in many countries, actually. And we need to understand why we don't have a regimen that's publicly available. Do I gargle with a, a diluted mouthwash uh, through my nasal passages to, you know, uh, to uh, clear uh, my airway right. of a, a viral load? What, what exactly are we to do? We know about five vaccines and four booster shots. Right. And I, by the way, I'm, I have, my wife and I are vaccinated, boosted, mm -hmm. and everything else. Uh, but I respect the right of anyone to make a determination right. about that vaccine on their own because the answers are not in. And to say otherwise is silly. And, and we're not getting answers from our public health officials. I mean, this is a disaster that will last for generations. And the idea that, that we still, because, because there's such an enormous effort to cover up all manner of issues related to COVID-19, we still don't have answers to basic things that we need. Not just treatment, early treatment, though, of course, this is important, but they're blocking that to, to, to protect pharmaceutical manufacturers. I mean, this is obscene. But it's, not, what, what, it's not just where did COVID originate? It's like, what exactly does COVID do? Is it a respiratory disease? Why does it cause blood clots? Why does it appear to attack some people's uh, cardiovascular system? These are all important questions that we would like to have answered. But instead, we have public health officials who get on TV three, four times a day and lie to the American public. The idea that we, can't, that we cannot trust our public health officials anymore. It's not just the FBI. It's not, just, uh, it's not just the DOJ. Yeah, the first rule, it's, it's the government, uh, you know, and they're not here to help you <laughs> in many instances. I, we, I think knew that, that we knew they weren't here to help us, but who, but who would have thought <laughs> that they're, they're here to protect pharmaceutical companies and they don't care about the welfare of or, the American public. Or communist China or uh, right. Vladimir Putin or what in the world, you know, it, it goes to the issue of the January 6th committee. What's its real purpose? Yeah. Its real purpose is to distract Americans from the fact that Biden now has been in office. Uh, his first year in office, he has more Americans that have died from COVID right. than did President Trump, who he right. excoriated on the campaign trail. He said he had a plan. Now he says it's there is no federal solution. Like hell, there's not. It's part of the solution. It's just not all of the solution. And there has to be a full partnership in this federalist uh, uh, system of uh, government of ours. Right. But this, the January 6th committee is designed to, to be a tool, a weapon in the midterm elections, in my opinion, mm -hmm. uh, and to distract from all of the immense failures of this administration, which is the most inept in my career. There's no, there's no close second, not right. even Jimmy Carter came this close to utter ineptitude 
and uh, the mockery of the Oval Office through his conduct, his speeches, his con his behavior in general. Oh yeah, Jimmy Carter looks like Jimmy Carter looks like Eisenhower in comparison. I mean, that I mean, this is you know looks look, looks like a hugely looks like a hugely competent strategist. Um, yes, I I I think January sixth is meant to be a distraction. Uh, it's meant to be a circus, a performance, certainly a clown show, and it, it's also meant to in, in a very serious and dangerous way. It's also meant to criminalize opposition to Joe Biden. I mean, that's how it oh, started, absolutely. right? Absolutely. And that's what these judges are saying. They're they're asking that they're asking them. I mean, it's uh, you know, I I shouldn't be laughing, but it's so absurd that as Americans, as Americans, we are living in this environment right now where federal judges are demanding that uh, detainees denounce their support for Donald Trump and will refuse uh, and, and can't watch cable television. I mean, this is this is so, I mean, that's clearly what it is, criminalizing opposition to to Joe Biden. And it's Soviet style justice. I mean, I, it, it is this place is right now looking more like the Soviet Union in 1990. And Russia is looking like they're trying to accelerate. So they look more like Soviet, the Soviet Union than do we. I, I, we are a we have the most oppressive government right now in our history, in my judgment, uh, that is a government committed to getting bigger. Uh, the January mm -hmm. 6th is uh, it, it show, Soviet show trials is what it seems they envision and imagine and uh, are perpetrating. Uh, I, I don't see how this ends well for the Democrats, because just like the two impeachment efforts by them uh, against President Trump, baseless, fraudulent, uh, and they persisted the investigations before he right. was president uh, that lasted uh, into his uh, early days of his first term. Uh, 22 months of the special counsel, it goes on and on. And there is not so much as a, park it, a parking ticket being waived by right. the always a, a energetic Adam Schiff when it comes to investigations right. of, in, of innocent people. Right. Um, I, I, I agree. I think it's going to, I think it's not just going to rebound on the Democrats and in, in, in the midterms. I think that there's going to be an enormous price to pay. I think we're starting to see cracks. I think that some of them are starting to get worried, especially on the state and local level. Some of them are starting to get worried for their political futures, which is good. I want them to worry their, for their political futures. But I'm thinking more down line in terms of legal risk, um, in terms of, in, in terms of uh, civil action, in terms of criminal action regarding what some of our public, what, what, what some of our public authorities have done to Americans during the course of the COVID regime. I, I mean, it's, it's the amount of pain they have inflicted on people is astonishing and the amount of pain they continue to inflict. So there is definitely going to be, the first wave I think will be political. The second will look like something else. These, these people, right, they may rule with an idea that they're the Soviet Union, but these are incredibly weak people. They're as dumb as Soviet officials but they're much weaker. Much weaker. And uh, your good friend, Devin Nunes, uh, has a new job. 
are you going to be playing any part in that? Or are you, are you, a, I, 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 I hope that, yeah, I hope they give me a, a, a good handle to use on their social media platform. <laughs> yeah, um, I, yeah. Save one for me too. Yeah, well, I'll 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 just reserve Lou. There you go. You don't have to go. Just be like you know one name like Pele or Madonna or whatever. I um, like it. All right. I oh, I I think it's very important. I'm so excited about this, and a lot of people I know have been a little you know a little disappointed that the congressman well that that he left Congress. Yeah. Um, so they're, they're worried about well, what kind of spine do we have now? What kind of spine does the American public have without someone like Devin Nunes standing up for us in Congress? The the communications architecture that the America First movement that pro-American Americans need is is so important. We need to be able to communicate with each other. We need we need um, to be able to receive information to create. Um, to to uh, create and disseminate information as well. So what he's doing, that organization, the Trump Media and Technology Group, I believe that this will be the centerpiece of pro-America communications infrastructure. Uh, uh, Mr. Nunez wrote a book called Countdown to Socialism, a short book published by Encounter about a, about a year ago now which is really, really important. It shows what his ideas are about communications and the media. And so that gives a really important insight into the kinds of things that he uh, and his team over there are, are, are going to be doing. I, it's really exciting. And I, I, again, when, when people are a little down that he, that he left, uh, left the hill, I'm like, oh no, this is great what he's doing. It's, it's a real leadership position. And insofar as we're looking at this right now in terms of a cold conflict, I mean, he's right now. I mean, he he's right now one of the top generals. Yeah. So it's it's yeah. really great, and I hope I hope your audience is as excited as I am about it. Well, uh, I, I speak for myself, for certainly. I never speak for the for this audience, yeah. but uh, I I only talk about what you know I'm going to do. I've never yeah. told anybody else what to do. Uh, but I am, you know, I what I worry about is the mm -hmm. Tea Party at its height in 2010 tried yeah. to do the same thing and was mm -hmm. they were crushed by the Dems, yeah. the left wing media. And I fear the you know, I fear uh, that some may be uh, underestimating uh, the power of the Dems to do the same thing right now, uh, particularly since they're even deep, more deeply aligned with the uh, uh, big tech and social media. Mm -hmm. But uh, let's give them hell and make certain that uh, this thing succeeds. Uh, I want to. Julie Kelly has a new book mm -hmm. out on January 6th, and we're going to be talking with her here next on The Great America oh, Show. how great, yeah. If you could give your thoughts just real quickly on on that as we wrap up. Yeah. Here. Well, Julie, kindly, I mean, it's a huge honor. Julie asked me to write a foreword for that great book. Right. Um, and I, I, you know, I mean, my case is this is a, 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 a very, very important piece of reporting. Um, but it's also, I, I mean, it's also uh, one of the early entries into, I guess, if you're talking about the Soviets, what we might call American Samizdat, right? This is this is uh, this is opposition. Julie yep. and the people that she interviewed, the people that she's working with, the people that she speaks for. I mean, Julie is is, is a dissident. You know, and I think that I think that's a fair way to describe the work that a lot of us 
that, that a lot of people are doing on this side. I think that's I think that's what you're doing, Lou. You're 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 getting out there and you're saying that these are important things that people need to know, and we're going to push through the noise, and we're going to keep telling we're going to keep telling people this, no matter how much they try to shut us up, silence us, curse us, whatever. So yeah, Julie's book. I can't speak highly enough about Julie or um or this or this book, and I hope people go out and get it because I, I I find all the time like well-meaning people surprisingly like well-meaning people not insane leftists um, not people who are you know committed to worshiping at the altar of uh, Barack Obama and Joe Biden but well-meaning people they do not know what happened on January 6th right. all they get is this garbage narrative Julie's book cuts through all that and so I again I, I hope that that people will, Spread that book around so people understand what happened on January 6th and and its aftermath, the way that the Justice Department, the way that Merrick Garland and the way that Christopher Wray have gone after people for protesting. Look, the people on January 6th who broke the law, whether they whether it was a felony or a misdemeanor. They should be prosecuted like Americans. That's what happens if you're an American. You have to follow, you have to obey the law. And if you don't, you're charged. But these aren't domestic terrorists. These are Americans. And they also are not the greatest threat facing the United States, as uh, some of our geniuses in Washington on the left. Absolutely not. Yes, absolutely not. Lee Smith, always great talking with you. We thank you so much. Uh, Thank you, Lou. Thanks so much. Look forward to our next conversation soon. I do too. Thank you so much again. I really appreciate it. And have a great new year. You too. Thank you. Lee Smith, a great American. We're going to be talking with Julie Kelly here next uh, about her important new book. Stay with us as the Great America Show continues. Julie Kelly and January 6th next. And now please welcome to the Great America Show, the author of the brand new book, January 6th, how Democrats used the Capitol protest to launch a war of terror against the political right. The book is available right now on Amazon. We recommend the book to you highly and delighted to welcome Julie Kelly. Uh, we're, we're thrilled to have you with us, Julie, and uh, uh, proud of your accomplishment. Congratulations on the new book. Well, Lou, thank you so much for having me on. I've been a longtime fan of yours. My family was always enjoyed watching you. So this is uh, quite a treat to be joining you today. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. And the Democrat Party has become, well, I think for most of us, it's become something unrecognizable to, to most Americans. The, the Radical Dems' vicious campaigns against just basically fundamental American values against the in fact, the American way, and their politics of personal destruction. It's playing out with this January 6th committee again. Is is the January 6th committee just an extension of everything the radical Dems have been doing and tried to do to President Trump? It absolutely is. I mean, this is just the latest iteration of Crossfire Hurricane, uh, the Robert Mueller special counsel, the first impeachment, the second impeachment. So this is just their way of continuing to trying to succeed where they have failed over the last almost six months, uh, six years now. And that is weaponizing the administrative state, especially the national security state and Congress against the president, his family, his supporters, his allies in Congress, his administration. 
So they're desperately trying to get finally what they want, uh, which is criminal charges against Donald Trump uh, before they lose control of Congress at the end of this year, as expected. Is it your expectation that no matter what, they will somehow bring some formal criminal charge against the former president? I do, Lou. <clears throat> I think what they will end up with is uh, referring to uh, the Justice Department a criminal charge of obstruction of an official proceeding. This is 1512C2. This is one of Andrew Weissman, uh, Robert Mueller's uh, uh, dogged uh, <laughs> prosecutor. This was the obstruction charge that he wanted uh, used against Trump for attempting to obstruct the Mueller investigation. That didn't go anywhere. Um, but it sounds like this is the same obstruction charge that they want to refer to Joe Biden's DOJ uh, to charge Trump with this felony. It's punishable by up to 12, 20 years in prison. More than 220 January 6th defendants now face this obstruction charge. So it sounds like that is what will come out of this committee is a criminal referral to DOJ obstruction of an official proceeding felony against the president. Yeah, uh, well, I, I, what you're saying makes perfect sense in, in that it is absolutely aligned with everything that the, the radical Dems have done previously, uh, that is to create construct charges and uh, allegations uh, that uh, suit their purpose it would there would have to be a direct causal relationship though uh, between the former president and the riots that took place on capitol hill in inside the capitol would there not well they will and i'll tell you lou it's and i detail this charge in my book and i talk about its origins this obstruction of an official proceeding which was a law that was uh, a statute that was signed into law after the enron investigation so this was really to stop people from tampering with congressional proceedings or investigations this was never intended and george w bush said this when he signed it into law this was never intended to be used against political protesters or political activists. Just think, Lou, over the past 20 years since this was signed into law, especially during the Kavanaugh confirmation hearings, how many thousands of Americans could be charged with this obstruction felony, go to jail for years because they shut down a hearing or they shut down uh, some official business in Congress. So this is the first time that prosecutors- Right. And this is the first time the prosecutors are attempting to use it against political protesters, including many of whom committed no violent crime that day. But I and I and it has been questioned. There are several defense motions to dismiss this count. You have judges now who are refusing to dismiss it, who seem to be legitimizing it because they know that the committee is going to refer this obstruction charge to DOJ to prosecute the former president. Um, but I'm not sure how it's going to stand up against a jury, um, because what official proceeding did Donald Trump actually interfere with? That timeline does not um, support what prosecutors are trying to argue. Yeah, and again, there's also just the issue of executive privilege here. Is there not? Uh, they're treating uh, the former president as if he were, were, were not president. Uh, you know, for the past six years. I mean, what they've done to a sitting president for those four years is objectionable enough. But to go after him 
uh, for the January 6th proceeding uh, as if he somehow had organized and uh, led uh, a, a riot with the purpose of disrupting that, uh, uh, that meeting. Uh, you know, to me, it's just, it's fanciful. Uh, what is your take? Oh, I, to I completely agree. But as you know, Lou, the Democrats, and we're talking about millions of Democrats across the country, they are just so frustrated that Donald Trump has not been charged with any criminal conduct. These are people who really thought he'd be hauled out of the White House in cuffs by Robert Mueller, accused and found guilty of colluding with the Kremlin to win the 2016 election. Uh, they thought, you know, he would be impeached and removed uh, from office uh, during the first impeachment. They've fallen for every little trap that the Democrats have set. So now they only have a, you know, what, a few more months to try to make all these Democrats' dreams come true, and that is to charge Donald Trump with obstruction, not insurrection, not any of the hyperbole that we've been told, sedition, treason, um, all sorts of outlandish accusations. So they're, they're finally going to try to nail him in on an obstruction charge. But again, I, the timeline of that day uh, is not in favor of prosecutors. What official proceeding did he obstruct? Um, this joint session of Congress uh, uh, recessed by 2.15 that day. So right. I'm not really sure what his people who had been at his speech what they interrupted. It, it just doesn't make any logical sense. But of course, you know, it doesn't have to. Yeah. Logic and law are irrelevant right. uh, to, to the Democrats. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, and the Dems themselves, the, their politics of personal destruction, focusing on Donald Trump. Does it not occur to, to even uh, partisan Democrats that this is a man who's been investigated every year of his presidency, months before he became president and now since he left the his office and, and they've never gotten anything i mean nothing and these are people trying very very hard to and, and they're by the way perfectly capable of conjuring up all sorts of obscenities and absurd uh allegations and by the way then trying to convince i guess people that some element would be true None of it has been successful. How many people in the United States could sub <laughs> could withstand four or five years of investigations by professional, hardcore Department of Justice investigators and come out of it without even a parking ticket or warrant? Well, and I think, Lou, we can sort of laugh at it because even though Donald Trump and his family had to go through this, yeah. I mean, he has had the entire legal, judicial, national security, intelligence state after him for more than six years. And to your point, they can't even come up with a, you know, a moving violation against him. This is infuriating to their voters and their base. Mm -hmm. And so the idea that Democrats will lose control of the House this year and all of their chances now to uh, put Donald Trump in prison will be gone. And this will be a huge black mark against them. But, um, you know, to that extent, I guess you have to be a little bit amused watching this whole circus unfold yet again. Yeah, what is it? The, the expression is uh, once you cross the penumbra of the absurd, there's nothing to do but laugh. That's uh, right. And, and this, we have crossed that, uh, that line. Uh, the Democratic Party is, 
is really an ugly, obscene operation by any mm -hmm. standard. Mm -hmm. And they have not in any way been held accountable, uh, whether it is their law firm, uh, their principal law firms, uh, Mark Elias uh, and his campaign to to make illegal balloting uh, permissible uh, is sort of a rear guard action against further responsibility. When will the Democrats be held accountable? Because we had the Paul Ryan House of Representatives mm -hmm. that he refused to to issue a subpoena to anyone. Uh, he is typical of the Mitch McConnell's, the John Thunes. I mean, John Thune now is talking about succeeding Mitch McConnell for crying <laughs> oh, out Lord. loud. Oh, I mean, geez. I mean, you talk about the walking zombies. Mm -hmm. uh, they are precisely what the Republican Party does not need and the American people don't need. Uh, your thoughts? Lou, you are 100% right. And I think you have these two clashing constituencies. You have the Democrats who are desperate, this bloodlust that they have for Trump and his voters. But you also have Trump millions, tens of millions of Trump voters or just Republicans who are sick and tired of watching Democrats get away with this sort of behavior. And it's not just elected politicians. You go down the list from James Comey to John Brennan, Jim Clapper, Andy McCabe, who was spouting off last week calling Trump supporters domestic terrorists. I mean, you go through the entire list of people who have gotten away with what really is criminal conspiracy behavior against the president and really against the United States. And here they are getting book deals and they're getting speeches and they're writing, uh, you know, they're, 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 they're celebrated in the media and Democratic Party. And so, Lou, what message does that send? Of course, this was the natural trajectory when no one gets uh, punished for what they have done wielding powerful government tools and authority against a sitting president, his family members, um, and now against hundreds of Americans who are being uh, having their lives destroyed by this Justice Department for trespassing at the Capitol for 10 minutes. Um, this is really scary territory. And I will tell you, Lou, Republicans are more disgusted with our own leadership for going along with this and not saying one word as this regime systematically destroys everything that we value in our constitution and in our country. And we are not going to stand by and let Mitch McConnell or Kevin McCarthy or anyone else play along with the left like they have been doing. We want to take the House and the Senate and we want to turn these tools and get and turn the tables on the Democrats for what they've put us through over the past what'll be six years really in the Trump era. Well, I, I think you're exactly right. I, my my problem uh, is I don't see the Republican Party at its uh, uh, in its uppermost leadership, whether it's Ronna McDaniel at the RNC, mm -hmm. whether it's Mitch McConnell or Kevin McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy put out this uh, basic little video talking about how tough he was going to be when he's elected Speaker <laughs> of the House. And, and if he's elected Speaker of the House, it's almost the same thing as if uh, the Democrats had won uh, the leadership of the House through a Republican victory. It is insane. Uh, and he says not a word about January 6th. He says not a word about the persecution of a president, a Republican president for six years. Uh, as you point out, it is a sixth year of it. Uh, it it's disgusting. And the RNC, there have been calls for audits. I think there ought to be audits for the whole shooting match. Let's mm -hmm. find out what's going on.
And as I said, John Thune to replace Mitch McConnell. Oh, Lord. I, I, I mean, there isn't a pulse between them. Nope. It, it's, it's disgusting. And Ronna McDaniel, a lovely woman, terrific person, uh, but uh, awful leader of the Republican Party because she lost. She lost, and there's no accountability within the, and I understand that President Trump uh, is the well, reason right. still there. Yeah. Uh, but that's got to end. It's just got to end. But look, uh, let's be honest. President Trump continues to hang out with Kevin McCarthy. I mean, he continues to bolster him as some sort of leader in the Republican Party. Donald Trump needs to cut ties with Kevin McCarthy. He needs to stand with Republican lawmakers, and there are a handful who are ready to get rid of him as House leader if they take over the House. They don't want him as Speaker. Um, we have to hold Senate Republican Senate candidates. We have to make sure that they sign on and say, not only will we not elect Mitch McConnell again as, as our leader, we will not replace him with John Thune or anyone else who has the same milk toasty play footsie with the left, but just has what a younger nicer looking face than mitch mcconnell no we there's no time for that democrats have been at war with us we have been flat-footed if not complicit and it's time for us to start battling back and these are not the generals that we need to have at the front of the line so who, back of the line, in your <laughs> in your view as you assess this uh who are the and i, I know this goes well beyond your book but i i want to to ask you nonetheless who do you see? Are there any obvious choices as new generals, younger generals that could be put in place uh, in the Republican Party? Because we really only have till the midterm elections. Uh, well, we don't have till then. We have to begin now uh, and begin the changes with the midterm elections, not wait till 2024. Well, look, I, I do talk about this a little bit in my book, and I talk about the handful, and when I mean handful, I mean less than 10, so two handfuls, of Republican uh, House members who have spoken out against the political prisoners, the capture and de detainment of political prisoners in Washington, D.C., who've spoken out about, about this abusive investigation. Mm -hmm. And these are people like Marjorie Taylor Greene and Paul Gosar, Louis Gohmert, Matt Getz, Andy Biggs. There are less than, like I said, about 10 or 12 of them. They understand what's at stake. You might not like their approach. You might actually, buy in. Actually, I do like their approach. I do too. <laughs> I do too. I become. I have become a huge fan of Marjorie Taylor Greene. And Absolutely. now I know why they went after her so early and so hard because they knew she was a force to be reckoned with. She is fearless. She will go up against her, our own party leadership as well as the Democrats. She gets what's at stake. Matt Gatz, all of the, the other congressmen I said, understand. So we have those people in the House. They are also, I think, bringing some of their colleagues along who are not only maybe don't want to wake up to it, but are being pushed by their own constituents to wake up. Right. Now, the Senate side. Oh, yeah. Lord. Who? <laughs> yeah. So, so there's a, there's a handful, mm -hmm. as you put it, yes. but I'm talking about broadly in the Republican Party. I mean, for the House, I would I, I would endorse, uh, frankly, any one of the names that, that you mentioned. Yes. Uh, and and, uh, and and a few more. Uh, I, I think Jim Jordan comes to mind certainly is one of the toughest, smartest guys out there, uh, who can uh, who can I, I think quickly lead. 
but I'll, I mean, I'll take anybody, but just don't give us another rhino in charge of a Republican Party that is no longer standing for conservative uh, values, uh, American ideals. I, I mean, they're operating like a, uh, a subchapter of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, for crying out loud. <laughs> That's exactly right. And I do think there are leaders outside of D.C. where we have to look. Obviously, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, I think Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton, there are some other people in these states and state leadership positions who are fighting the real battles where it counts. Um, yeah. But that that doesn't take away that we still need fighters in Washington, D.C., because that's where all the action is right now. And that's where we need some retribution for what's been done. So returning to the work of the, the committee, uh, a, a committee that has... Uh, uh, Kenzinger and uh, and Cheney as the representing the Rhino uh, Marxist wing of the Republican Party, I suppose. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, it's it's not bipartisan. It is clearly just partisan. What can what can the Republican Party do to stop this nonsense right now? I mean, shut it down. And why on earth uh, should there not be an accounting? for McCarthy and for uh, Mitch McConnell going along with this nonsense? Unfortunately, I don't think there's a lot Republicans can do right now. Now, they could be making more noise about what the committee is covering up. Let's talk about a little bit. They say that this is a truth-finding, fact-finding mission. Okay, well, then force the committee to release the 14,000 hours of surveillance video the security cap cameras captured on January 6th inside and outside the Capitol complex that DOJ and Capitol Police have under strict protective orders. If we want the truth about that day, let the American people see all the video and what transpired that day. They have now designated it highly sensitive government information. So basically classified information that we paid for that we need to see. Why are they covering that up? Um, why won't they discuss the role of the FBI? Why aren't they investigating people like Ray Epps, the man seen on the 5th and 6th encouraging people to go into the building? Why aren't they investigating someone like Stuart Rhodes, who is the founder of the Oath Keepers and Person One, the unindicted still a year later co-conspirator in the 20 plus defendant uh, Oath Keepers case? He still has not even been charged with trespassing. Who were all the FBI, hundreds of FBI assets we now know deployed to the Capitol that day? Who were they? Why were they not identified as FBI or ATF or SWAT team members or hostage rescue team? How were they dressed? What did they do with the crowd? Uh, we now know, thanks to Newsweek's reporting, that contrary to what we've been told, uh, there were at least a half dozen elite FBI teams stationed at Quantico the weekend before January 6th, preparing for some kind of horrific event that day. Well, no one has been told that. So let's get acting attorney Jeffrey Rosen in front of this committee in public and talk about what he did with the FBI before and during January 6th. So why do they keep covering up, obfuscating so many elements of what happened that day? Let's see all of Nancy Pelosi's communications. Why is she refusing to release any of her emails or communications to this committee or to Republicans who are requesting it? What is she trying to hide? 
Why did she and Muriel Bowser repeatedly deny uh, offers of additional security that day? What did Capitol Police and DC Metro, what were they told to do? I talk about this a lot in my book, how DC Metro and Capitol Police are the ones who started attacking protesters that day. Peaceful, legitimately peaceful protesters, throwing flashbangs, rubber bullets, deploying tear gas and pepper balls into the crowd of people doing nothing wrong to provoke and incite that crowd. So these are the big things that this committee is covering up. Meanwhile, they want, you know, Donald Trump's emails from April of 2020. Um, so if Republicans were smart, which they're not, that is how they should be countering this committee's activity every single day. Of course, they would never have that opportunity to ask that question in that hearing uh -uh. Uh, because Pelosi would make certain they didn't, uh, most likely wouldn't even get into the uh, hearing room. But why should, two things keep bothering me right now. One is where is the Republican Party and why has it not been funding legal assistance for all of the people being held uh, yeah. and, and many, if not most of them held without real due process, uh, some not charged for, for ages. Uh, there are only, I understand now, 40 to 50 people being held in various locations, not all of them in the DC jail. But why in the world didn't the Republican Party do something to help these people and to, and to just simply do the right thing? And secondly, why is it the Republican Party creating a committee right now to run hearings it doesn't have to be a, a, an official proceeding right. in the U.S. Congress. It could be the Republican Party investigation of January 6th. And the and by the way, make it an investigation of the investigators. Because one thing we've learned over six years is that the investigators break a lot more laws than the people they investigate. <laughs> so Amen I, to that. So, I, you know, it, it seems to me to be an approach that uh, my good friend Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy uh, might consider. What do you think of the idea? I love the idea. Um, I think that there are a few Republicans, the ones that I mentioned, who were toying with that idea. I'm sure that Kevin McCarthy, if he caught wind of it, put an immediate kibosh on that idea. But you're right. Why aren't they holding other hearings separate to what the, uh, official congressional business in this select committee? They should be talking about not just the FBI's role, but these horrific FBI raids that I talk about in my book, people right. who have, I mean, that's one big thing, the investigation, what the charges are, what did Democrats do before and during January 6th, where are the Republicans countering this, holding their own hearings, holding their own press briefings, uh, demanding that the media report certain aspects of this, that they're not to the extent that they can. Um, they're just, I think, a lot of Republicans went along early with the insurrection narrative, and they don't want to look like they're defending any of these people. But these people deserve defending. They are their lives are being destroyed by this powerful Biden regime, and they deserve being defended. You know, very simply, as uh, one wag put it uh, on social media, uh, do you really think that the country is going to be? Uh, taken over uh, by a guy with uh, paint on his face, <laughs> wearing a Viking helmet. Uh, is right. that what you really think? Uh, th this, this is so many how levels. Much, 
Could he do a much worse job, Jacob Chansley? Could he do a worse job than what we've got in Washington right now? I put my chips on Jacob Chansley any day. I've listened to him. To, I've listened to him in court. He's far oh. smarter and more articulate than Kevin McCarthy is. I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, uh, you know, everybody may get the, that opportunity. We'll soon see. <laughs> Julie, thanks so much for being with us. I hope you'll come back soon. Uh, we we wish you all of the best with your terrific new book, January 6th, How Democrats Use the Capitol Protest to Launch a War of Terror Against the Political Right. Available right now on Amazon. We recommend it to you highly. Julie, great talking to you. I wish you all the very best uh, in your in your quest uh, to defeat uh, the ignorance of the of the Marxist left in this country. Uh, <laughs> We will cheer you on. Thanks so much. Jennifer. Thank you. Well, thanks for having me on and thanks for helping me. I really appreciate it, Lou. You got a deal, Julie. Thanks so much. Julie Kelly. And again, the book, January 6th. It's on Amazon right now. Uh, I want to tell you, we've got a, a number of people, including uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, who will be joining us here uh, on the Great America Show over the next week. Uh, we also, I should update you on this. I just got off the phone with, uh, uh, with what would we call it? The Southern White House, uh, uh, Mar-a-Lago, uh, talking with President Trump briefly. Uh, and he will be joining us here on the Great America Show next week. Uh, we'll keep you posted on that. Uh, we're going to be uh, talking uh, for some extended period of time about what is on his mind, all of the projects that he has underway, including his own social media uh, uh, platform. Uh, it's a very exciting time for him. Uh, it's an exciting time for the country when we, start, uh, when we realize that we have permitted a private company to shut down the voice of a sitting president and, and a former president uh, at the same time. It's just outrageous, but we'll have his thinking uh, his voice, and boy, do we need that voice in this country, right? President Trump to join us here on The Great America Show. We thank you for being with us. Please join us next time. Until then, thanks so much, and be well. Join us again tomorrow for The Great America Podcast. Stay in the fight. Truth, justice, and the American way will prevail against all enemies, against all odds.